Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I have Dr. Allison Kay on here today, and we had an amazing discussion about energy. Dr. Allison is an energy medicine practitioner. She is an author. She's a speaker, holistic life coach, master meditator, founder of Vibrational Upgrade, the system to apply your magic and get what you desire. She was raised in the United States, but has studied Eastern medicine for 10 years in the East. And she just brings so much wisdom and experience to her practice. And she's sharing that with you today. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Welcome to Friday with Friends. And I have my new friend, Dr. Allison on with me. Welcome, Allison. Hi, happy to be here, Lara. I know you all. So great to have you. So let's just get going right from here. You are an energy medicine practitioner. You're much more than that. But I want to launch right into, if you were to describe your job or just describe energy in general and how you are working with it, how do you describe that to the layperson who has heard about energy but is not really sure? Okay. I can come at this from so many different angles because I lived in Taiwan teaching at an international school and as an administrator for a decade, purposely there instead of somewhere else in another international school in another part of the world so that I could study what I consider to be the source of who understands energy flows and how subtle energy works. India as well, where I went for my yoga teacher certification on a Chinese New Year break, one of my years over there. And in fact, the Indian, the Hindu yoga culture has even more of an understanding of more etheric and subtle energy. So where I can come at that from is combining that with my personal trainer background too and behavioral change specialist and other qualifications I have to really make energy grounded. It's not a woo-woo concept. And in fact, nowadays, I've been saying this since 2012, since I returned to the States in 2010. I was on an interview back then and a person asked me, isn't all this stuff just woo-woo? And I found myself after that decade of living from a place where they honor energy over the physical as the priority in life and where our power lies, saying that if you still hold that idea that energy and knowing about subtle our subtle energy system is woo, then that's actually ignorant at the stage in that over half of the rest of the world recognizes the prominence of the subtle energy system over the material. For example, traditional Chinese medical system that the yin-yang comes from, qigong comes from, which I also am a teacher of, acupuncture, reflexology, where qi goes or energy or prana, where qi goes, blood follows, which is implying and stating that belief that the material follows energy. And so my creation of the vibrational grade system is a combination of how to have more of your system flowing the subtle life force, or pardon me, the vital life force energy, which is a full English phrase for the one syllable chi or the two syllable prana (laughs) from other (laughs) cultures. We have a whole phrase for it to have more of it flowing through one system and then how to work with the increased consciousness as a result of having more of this life force flowing through us so that it's a combination of 
energy clearings and activations done on specific parts of the subtle energy system. And then going in from an approach of clearing blocks at the subconscious and unconscious level, like if you grew up from ages two to eight is when we're asking, how does this world work, right? You see that in your kids when they started. Zero to two, we're not separate from our parents. We think and feel what they feel. But then at age two, when we start with the terrible no, the terrible twos and the now, that's us forming our own separate identity. And so from two to eight, we're asking questions. How does this world work? So if we saw our sibling, our older sibling, getting lots of love and affection from, let's say, mom, we would then ask, how how do I get that feeling? And if we see that our siblings getting that from being very helpful to mom, then we'll have a conclusion. The more helpful I am, the more I get that feeling I want. And that will end up as a childlike, logical conclusion buried in the subconscious as part of our conditioning. And it affects certain chakras like that would have affected the fourth and maybe the third and the fifth as well. So that you may end up being an overgiver and not consciously recognizing it. So there's all of this stuff, all these layers of beliefs, conditioning, karma, contracts, traumas, imprints from parents, and unconscious and subconscious beliefs that we have that we're operating on a daily basis. You all, it's said that 85% at least, 85% of everything we're choosing on a daily basis is from that area where we can't hear the thoughts making the choices. So we're on robotics for 85% of our daily day, only 15% of at most when we're making our choices, whether to go here, get our coffee or our tea here, eat this or eat that is conscious that we can hear. So that means we're missing a slew of what else is possible in life where like you could go if you're single to a party and you are wanting to come out of, let's say the bad boy, you're a female, you're heterosexual and you want to come out of your bad boy pattern. So you would be kind of not having a block on your peripheral vision to see any other guys that are not that bad boy pattern. You would gravitate towards the bad boy pattern based on these unconscious and subconscious things, i.e. conditioning and beliefs and traumas, et cetera. And so you may miss the sweet guy over in the corner who's looking at you, wanting you to wanting to come up and talk with you because you have those blinders on what else is possible because you're attracting and attracted to something similar. So how do we change? Again, I mentioned that certification. I have specialty certification as a behavioral change specialist. We change by changing parts of our mind, our consciousness that we can't even hear. And once we do that through clearings, they'll relate to a certain chakra because the chakras are covering every aspect of life. That chakra gets less blocked. There's more life force circulating in the part of the body into that endocrine gland at that chakra. Every gland's covered of the hormonal system by one of the chakras, the seven. And then we're also at, if a chakra is a wheel, and it's the intersection of the mind, the body, and the spirit, I can also access the spirit and the mind. So that's the levels of consciousness I just talked about. The spirit part is where I access past lives and karma. And so as we unravel blocks, you have more life force or energy or consciousness circulating. So then more of your life becomes more conscious. So I want to add on nowadays to that traditional Chinese medical tenant of where chi goes, blood follows, and say where our consciousness goes, chi or energy follows, and then blood or the material follows. So in fact, if you want to change, you go in, even though it seems like you want to change something outside of you. Like I want that car, that level of new expensive car luxury I've never had before. You may have some, maybe you've never had it before, sure, because of your finances, but maybe your finances are what they are because of certain beliefs you have about money. So if we clear those, it opens up more possibilities and there's this greater field of life force in the entire universe, in the trees, in the birds, in the earth, all around us in the atmosphere. 
that once we clear out more of these blocks, we start to have our chakras act as the way that they're designed to have vortices spinning out from in front of their location on our body. And those vortices emanate out a higher singing vibration that attracts more of life and this life force and support and possibilities coming in. So it's a gradual opening to living beyond the mind Mm. in short. Wow, that was a... That was a wonderful answer. And you just, there's so many things I want to ask off of that. But I first want to start off because you've referenced chakras. And I think this is, you know, I remember when I first learned about chakras, the first teacher that talked about it, it sounded very woo-woo to me. And then I I read The Wheels of Life, which really stuck with me because it it kind of checked off the the logical brain because it talks about, you know, these seven energy centers that correspond to ganglia, nervous ganglia, so that you it's, it's that intersection of what we can see and what we can't see, but we feel it. We, and we find it in that intuitive, that voice that has the why, you know? So can you, if you were to explain chakras to, to people who, who out there, the listeners might not know what we're talking about, can you briefly describe that? You started to, and I know you referenced the years of life, and I think it's just fascinating. So much of, so many of us are walking around with, whether it's blocked or dulled energy from these early years that were, like you said, where we don't have the inner ear to or the outer ear to. But can you talk a little bit more about what these chakras are and what they represent? Yeah, I love how you said, Lara. It's basically the intersection between the invisible and visible. Mm-hmm. Or you said we see and what we don't see. Exactly. Yeah. So where do I start from there? Hmm. I remember, I'm going to start here. I remember in my yoga teacher training in India, I was given the task with the rest of my classmates in the training. It was so fun. There was such camaraderie established from all over the world. We were, we had to design a sequence for a yoga class based on the chakra system and opening it. And for me, that was one of the most valuable parts of my training. I asked my teacher, who is Indian, he's married to an Irish woman, but he was born and raised in India, uh, but now had a yoga school open to Westerners. I asked him the question because I, I had been living in Taiwan and traveling throughout Asia on my breaks in between semesters for 10 years at that point. So my last year I was over there. But I, was, I went to India for my yoga teacher training, even though I've been already teaching meditation for 20-something years. And... I said, when you see Western teachers go back to the West with yoga teacher training, what do you see us mess up the most? And God bless him. He did not answer that directly, you know, the Asian way. (laughs) 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 Ultimately, what he implied was to teach where the student's at. And so I know for... Me, when I returned to the States after I went back to Taiwan for this completion of my last semester teaching and being an administrator there, I came back to the States and I was hired at a local yoga studio. And I was at this first yoga studio. I was the quote unquote token spiritual teacher (laughs) for yoga um, because I knew what I knew. And so she had me teach the components in her yoga teacher training with uh, Yoga Alliance's compliance, the unit on Ayurveda and the unit on the chakras. So I did. And then I eventually transitioned over to a a more well-rounded yoga school. And so one of the ideas I have is that the West, the typical construction of yoga isn't even understanding that yoga is based on the chakra system itself. Every single yoga pose is based around opening at least one, usually three chakras at least. And that we leave yoga class feeling the increased peace and well-being we do because of what's just happened within our chakra column, within our subtle energy system. So we have a subtle energy system, as you talked about, Lara. And I know I quoted that in my first book, What If There's Nothing Wrong, that I wrote over there my last year in Asia. I was talking about Candace Pert's discovery as a pharmacological biologist researching the nerve ganglia on the spinal column, the central nervous system, and where the biggest gatherings of neuroreceptors were along the spine. 
that received messaging from the brain and the biggest gatherings were at each chakra. And then each chakra covers an endocrine gland, like I said. So those are the two main communication systems we have, chemical, hormonal, and electrical, central nervous system. And the chakras are completely intertwined with both of our communication systems. Each chakra, the word chakra itself translates to the English word wheel. So if you can picture, there's seven along our spinal column, one's at our tailbone, one's at our lower abdomen, one's at our upper abdomen, beginning of digestive tract, another one's in between the nipples, another one is the throat, and then the in between the eyebrows, and then at the top of the head. So you can kind of, how well, however well you know the hormonal system in your anatomy, every single major endocrine gland is covered there. Not internal organs, but endocrine glands. So each chakra is an intersection of the mind, body, and spirit. And if you consider it like a city center, and then there's all these side routes and interstates and highways and village roads or country roads that all lead into, like the older roads, I'm meaning by country roads, they all lead into the main city center. That's what the chakras are like. They have all of these routes, which are called meridians in Chinese culture. And then they're nadis in this like a, a thousand of major and minor ones within our body connecting throughout our body, each chakra and the entire column as a whole. So all the sorts of energy wants to travel that's electric and it's magnetic. That's what chi or prana or life force is. It's made of electricity and magnetism. So if you even held your palms out in front of you and the palms are facing each other and they were about eight inches apart, you could do that now as you listen. If you're not driving or you know, operating a bulldozer, please. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> you can, sl- I mean, slowly, gently bring your palms closer together. You're not ever going to touch them but just start to bring them closer together and then start to perceive what's in between your palms. When you're about two inches apart, you're going to likely perceive some sense of a presence there. It's okay if you don't. Maybe you're just feeling your fingers tingle. Now start to pull your palms apart slowly and notice what you perceive between your hands. Don't go out past that eight inches as best you can and now start coming back in. That's subtle energy. We have many little baby, I don't want to confuse you, but we do have baby chakras in our palms and at the soles of our feet. And the major urban centers or the chakras, as we've been referring to them in this example, have routes that get energy out to your hands. So the hands and arms are related to the heart chakra, the throat, the neck, the thyroid is related to the throat chakra. The gland that's related to the heart chakra, by the way, is the thymus. So if it's the intersection of our mind, our body, and our spirit at each of the seven major chakra centers, and then it's in that mind element containing old beliefs and conditioning and subconscious traumas that have been pushed down, that part of the relevant part of the body. So let's say you have... If the second chakra is your right to feel what you feel and you were sexually abused and you weren't able to feel the horror at it because let's say your mom didn't identify it was happening or did and didn't stand up for you and you felt inherently it was wrong, but you couldn't express it due to, dis- due to obvious reasons that you could infer from this kind of an example, your second in your fifth chakras. So the fifth is about speaking in part. That's just part of what the fifth is about. And the second is your right to feel what you feel. So you may end up with chronic hip pain, for example, because the second chakra isn't turning as the wheel it is, that vital life force energy out into that area or region it's responsible for, which is the sacrum in the back, out to across the pelvis, out to the hip bones, down to the tailbone. At the start of the tailbone, it becomes the root chakra, which is your right to be here. So depending on what our traumas, our conditioning, our beliefs, our karma is relevant to, like what aspect of life, that then gets buried into that relevant chakra. And so that part of the body and that part of your life 
at the mental level and meaning all levels of consciousness and at the spiritual level, meaning let's say in a past life, you spoke up, you spoke truth to power, perhaps like Galileo and you got hung for it. So there's going to be some wonky stuff at the throat. I can guarantee it Mm. (laughs) over and over and over again. But this is, as you can sense already, Lara, because I see you nodding and I know you're totally here with me. There's, it's like a roadmap that I have found the most predictable source of information after all of the studying I've done. Like, sure, left side of the body in the traditional Chinese medical understanding is about receiving. It's the yin part of the body. For example, right, right side is masculine, yang, are uh, active. And I don't get help from that, knowing that, to be able to assess why a person has a certain malady, whether at the mental or physical or spiritual level. But I can through my understanding of the chakra system, through the way I'm presenting it. Now, I've been told by others who have interviewed me, I have a really unique take on the chakra system. And I, and I do. I mean, I've had good, solid teachers. And then I've done a ton of energy medicine sessions running it through people and seeing and, and doing what I'm talking about as my work. And then using that yoga teacher training and furthering my understanding there too as a yoga teacher. So what I'm saying, maybe the first time, if you have heard about the chakras before, it's ever been put to you this way. I use the chakra system to help people thrive in their mind, body, and spirit in their life today, feeling more fulfilled in their business, feeling more fulfilled with how they make their living, feeling more impassioned and quote unquote on purpose. So I I just want to emphasize that the woo-woo aspect of it is not at all what you get here. There is a practical application. In fact, my second book, Vibrational Upgrade, A Conspiracy for Your Bliss, has that subtitle because of the chakra system. Like our third chakra, our solar plexus, has the wiring for the inner child and joy. And so if your inner child, as a little kid, if you were given way too much responsibility right away, the third chakra is one of the ones affected by that. And yet, the aspect of manifesting, we use the raw energy coming out of the solar plexus to manifest. So for example, if we're given an inspiration through our heart of wanting to do something new and step out more and really feel more fulfilled, and we don't listen to that inner knowing, and we, out of fear, shove it down, we actually, naturally, our system is releasing energy as we're going to go for the new to give us more energy to go make that change. And if we don't honor that, and we shove, we end up shoving down or suppressing or deep pressing that uprising of energy to help us naturally. So that's how we end up in one way depressed. So if we follow that knowing in our heart's guidance or and we go for something we want to do, we have, and, and we're, we're joyous about manifesting, then our third chakra supports us that much more. So if you're out there at a job and what you're doing on the physical plane every day, making your living isn't bringing you joy, you're going to have somewhat of a closed down chakra. So I see this wiring innately in our system as living in our joy, living in our bliss. Like we're innately wired for that. So I don't apply it in this way that's all about like the etheric or angels or spirit guides or all of that out of the body stuff that can happen with some of the new age or metaphysical within that genre or those different communities. It's very bloody grounded for life here now. Oh, I love that. I mean, I feel like we speak the same language in different ways. You know, I talk a lot when you're talking about this. I, I think of not only do I really, it resonates, but in my own teaching, you know, if somebody were just to look at it from like face value, kind of like at face value, they might look at like energy healing as this woo woo thing. But if they look at what I'm doing, And I talk about alignment and posture, and that's what they think. But what they don't realize is that is a tool for aligning yourself so that you can better open up these energetic channels so that they are more accessible to you. I mean, we know what it feels like if you're in a slouched position all day. You're closing off not only the physical, but that all of those energetic channels are being closed off as well. And we feel it. We feel like, I always say, why is it that you sit at work for eight hours, drive home and feel like you need to sit on the couch, like you're exhausted? Why? That's because your energy has been dull. 
And there could be a lot of other things that contribute to that. But there's so many layers. And I, that's what I think is so fascinating and where we have really missed out in Western medicine is that we chop our body into segments and we don't speak about the holistic approach that really goes, you know, up, down, inside out, circling around, all the stuff. Why do you think that the East, Eastern medicine, I mean, obviously it's much older. So, but why have we, why has Western medicine not acknowledged the power of this energetic realm? Oh, Lara, there's such uh, resonance here. Indeed. Thank you for asking that question because that's at the core of my mission that I returned from Asia with. Wow. So here's my, my observation after the decade there and looking at it from the eyes I had at the time. Wow. We're really suffering in the West at a level that's just completely unnecessary if we would just go inside and deal with what some view as the boogeyman or the monster under the bed or the crazy and go through it and go beyond it and learn how to work with our energy. So my first book, What If There's Nothing Wrong, goes into this quite extensively if anybody's interested in that. When I first got back, I, my very first talk in front of a public audience was about the power of the mind. And I, it was my first signature talk. It was called Nat- The Nature of the Mind. And I was approached by an integrative doctor after that. And this is when integrative medicine was just kind of becoming hip, apparently. You'd already been in the work somewhat for a year or so, it seemed like, when I got back. So I went and met with this doctor and he looked over my three-ring binder I had of collection of my different works and certifications, et cetera. And he said to me, you know, I think you need to focus on something. And I looked at him, I'm fresh out of 10 years living in the holistic system. And I said to him, that's exactly the point of the holistic model. It's not focusing on one thing. It's recognizing the holisticness of our system, which is what integrative is meant to mean. And so it wasn't tense. It was just an eye-opening experience for us both. And we parted ways, obviously, and it worked there. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, that reduction is to get to your question, Lara, I literally explore this question in like almost 400 pages in my first book because I was writing it from over in the East, looking at the West. And one of the things that can help to answer that, and I talk about this more in my third and most recent book, The Alchemy, that's our ancient mystery schools. But the alchemy, our understanding of ancient wisdom, that's ancient, like Celtic origins, pagan origins. This is in part why I ever went over to the traditional Chinese culture, because I understood they never suppressed it. They kept it alive the whole time. Something in regards to the church and power around the Enlightenment era, around the 16, 1700s came in. And so all of that wisdom, ancient wisdom, had to go underground into what the ancient mystery schools became, like the Knights Templar, like the... I'm forgetting the other one I always mentioned. It's okay though. So why did we do that? It seems like there was a kind of order that wanted to be maintained by the church. And if each person could talk to God themselves, and if each person could gather herbs and maybe with a more increasingly scientific approach, be able to treat themselves, then that authority, that form of authority wasn't going to be needed. And they needed to maintain order. I mean, for God's sakes, they wiped out reincarnation from the Bible in the um, Nicaea meeting in the 300s in Rome. So. There's a wide open shift going on right now that we're all aware of (laughs) and that's in flux right now. Like people like you and I and talking and you listeners listening to this because the times we're in right now, 2012 to 2032 is considered to be our greatest evolutionary leap ever, ever for humans, ever. So things are different, right? They feel a little different. Uh, 2020 was a little different, (laughs) but this started back in 2012 and even for some of us before that. And so, so much is coming into balance where there's been an abuse of authority, an abuse of power that's coming into all the people protesting in the streets saying no more, where the spiritual has been way out there, even labeled over here as woo-woo and the material has been honored and glorified and respected. 
both of those ends of the spectrum are coming to balance. So I'm working with a lot of spiritual people to clear their ideas about maybe money's evil or money isn't important. And then with material people wanting, like in the corporate setting, wanting to have more meditation and stress reduction for wellness and yoga for wellness, you know, there's a rebalancing that's happening and everything's coming out and getting purged. And that includes empowerment, each of us, by doing this work I'm talking about, going within and clearing out our own unheard, unseen limitations. We're really able to step into this, what I view as a world of brand new possibilities just coming online now. And we're leading the way. Like last night's call I did with my signature program, Lara and listeners, it was phenomenal. It was so clear. Every verbal clearing that I did and every process I did on this call, it was pounding at my consciousness apparently, which I only observed like two thirds of the way through. Wow, the new really wants in. If you look at everything we've been doing on this call tonight. So where you have this old coat that you know should be donated, proverbial old coat, your old skin, feel free to take that trip to Salvation Army or whatever closest thrift store is in need because, ah, man, there's just so much new and it's going to be so much better. And it already is here. You know, it's funny you're talking about this and I'm thinking this is very cyclical. It's almost like, you know, I'm 51 now and there's just things at a certain age. I'm sure not all 51-year-olds old, but as as you get older, one hopes this happens is that, you want it, things, right? That uh, things are simpler in many ways. Things are clearer. You don't put up with the same shit you might have before. Uh, you care less about, I think, material things in a lot of ways. And I'm always thinking, gosh, wouldn't when I work with my younger people, I always think, Ugh, wouldn't it be great to be able to have that at any age, right? Not just wait until you get older and, you know, some of the youth busyness goes away. But it's almost like our culture is also cycling that way. We're becoming, we're trying to get to that wiser state. We're we got st- out of balance. Yeah. We're still like, you know, conditioned yep. to put value on things that ultimately at our heart, we know d- shouldn't have value. And, Not each- right. And so it it's fascinating because I, I'm curious what you would say, because I, I know the things that I talk about and I'm, I'm sure you go into a lot of depth with this, but say you have, because I have this every single day, a younger woman and not necessarily younger, some my age, some older, but they're young, meaning they haven't, you know, something's blocked in that young, young self. They're so cruel to themselves. Yeah. The lens through which they see themselves is so hard and it breaks my heart because if you can't love yourself, you, you know what I mean? It's just, you know, there's, it's a lot to unpack, of course. And I'm not saying in one, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying in one session, but... Um, I'll tell you. <laughs> right? So I at least try and get them to talk. Like, I think if they can start to, and then I'll, uh, you know, I'll ask the questions. And so I'm curious, what, if you had 30 minutes with somebody, which, you know, is is kind of unreasonable to ask of you, but... What would you say to those, that type of person? And and it could be male too, but I see it so much in the female or identified as female. This real, you know, some would say low self-esteem. I think it's just loathing that is dwelling in there and just needs to be, you know, fucking booted out. Fucking booted out indeed. So this is not my target population intentionally, but Apparently, as I've come to observe, a lot of the times, this is a kind of woman I work with. I'm going to bring in my book I just released last month, The Dragon Master Creatrix. It's on Amazon. We'll have the link. And the book is about a woman's path to power, working with the ancient wisdom and energy medicine. She's taking a journey to an international retreat and learning and getting trained in energy medicine. And it's a story of all these folks, including a man getting trained. And then that's the beginning of each chapter narrated like at a stone circle or out on the land of sacred site with me or different parts of 
what we do on the retreat. And the second half is like Sadhguru would do with the, or Osho, Osho would do with the Q&A, where I would literally be quoting one of most frequent questions I get asked. So on the back of the book, it was interesting for me because I've never really said this openly because I tend to run with a higher male population than typical, like 40-ish percent, 45% males. Mm. Yeah, your eyebrows raise. It is high. But when working with me at the most intensive level for the last year, it has been mostly women. And so on the back of the book, I finally just let myself say, this, this is especially written for women, but men are feel free to partake in here too. The questions are mostly geared towards women being able to step into their power more. And I'm going to take a sidestep. I have a client, a long-term client who sought me out like my first year or second year back, heard me on a summit. She's an ex-senator from a country in Asia. And she had been, you know, she grew up in boarding schools in England, had very educated over here in the States at Harvard and blah, 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 lived that kind of a life. So you get the gist. So she said to me when we were talking about when Hillary Clinton was running for president, and she said, and she's married to a French guy, a French expat. And she said, you know, the French and the Americans are the most misogynist cultures. Because when I was living in Asia, I noticed how many prime ministers and presidents there were of Asian countries that were female. Mm-hmm. And so we're supposed to be this most progressive women's rights activist marches, feminist movement culture. And look what it ha- what happened when we went to go elect our first female president. Look what it took to even get a female at that second highest level office. So what she said was really riveting for me. And I, I get where she was coming from, that we are in fact actually miso- misogynist. And I feel like in great part, I know that this is getting rebalanced where the abuses of power, like the Me Too movement a couple of years back, that was indicative of this rebalancing where that masculine dominance, aggressive and abusive power, I talk about this a lot in my third book, Reasonable Dragons, is up for being rebalanced with the feminine stepping up. And in this regard, I do mean genderized. But we each have that masculine and feminine flow within us. And there's yang, action, yin, intuitive work, seeding a project, yang, taking action steps towards it. There's Each of us has masculine and feminine that require balancing within us. But I am talking specifically about gender here. There seems to be that general loathing towards the female still in the collective psyche. So I spend time clearing that out. And then all the bloody effects of it. Like I have a lot of Indian women who are Americans, uh, citizens by now, they te- or Australian citizens, they come to, tend to come to work with me too. Stop shrinking back. To stop like limiting and restricting what they allow themselves to say and claim and go for. So there's like this service orientation, this nurturing, this giving orientation that women have been pegged with for how many centuries? And if you look at the first professions we could get into, what were they? Nurturing, teachers, nurses. One of my biggest joys, I just said this again this week, is to take either teachers, it was the last interviewer actually, the last podcast I was on, teachers, social workers, and nurses, females, to get them out of that field and into something they really love doing. So there is this out of balance, old version of being female that's still lingering in these really unconscious beliefs that aren't even, I'm not even yet, am I, Lara? I'm not even yet talking about childhood or your own individual parents or your own individual cult, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it, so we could go there, but you already know enough and the listeners themselves know enough that yes, there are layers and layers of when you clear out some of your own self-loathing as a woman or restricting your empowerment to go for what you want and ask your husband to help with the chores more and give your kids more chores and ask your husband to bring home roses and ask the people around you to step up and notice the invisible. And instead of taking the invisible for granted, learn that it is actually the buoyancy that allows for all of life. And I mean love. I mean a mother's unconditional lover, as close as she can get to that. I mean life force what we have been talking about, energy this entire time. So that rebalancing between the invisible and the visible is happening. And it is happening in this very specific genderized way. And God, I'm not passionate about it at all, am I? Yeah, I mean, I'm just sitting here like, how? yes. I, I mean, I'm just grateful because, you know, just from the, the childhood perspective, I grew up with three brothers. You I, do? I'm a tr- oh, well, there you go. I always feel like we have a little bit of an edge. I hate to say it, but I feel like if you grew up with brothers... 
I mean, I have a naturally strong young side, but I think also there, at least in the home front, I didn't have some of that conditioning of the female, of the female that I think can be enhanced with having other females like in the household as well. So having three brothers and two of them are, I'm a triplet. So two are- Oh you my know, God, yeah. how cool is that? So cool. I mean, we were born on Halloween. Okay. Oh my God. I know. I'm just like, right. It's like, it's a great, great story. So, and my brothers are identical. So it's like, I was part of the pack, but I was also I physically different. So I could identify, you know, I could be my own person. And then I have an older brother and my dad, my brothers, they treated me and, and my mom as if I was as important, as capable as my brothers. I didn't know any different. I didn't know any different. And so I think, God, what a head start that is. <sighs> you know, to have that early, like you said, buoyancy, that feeling of, I can do this. Of course I can. And, you know, if I, if I would hear things uh, once I was an adult, like diminishing women, I'd be like, fuck off. What are you talking? I mean, I just, it didn't, it didn't land. It literally was foreign to me. And so I do see those at early stuff is so, it gets really, the seeds get harvested and that is a lot to unpack as well. But I, I totally agree. I think then on top of that, you've got society and culture conditioning that is not helpful either. Huh. It's a lot. It's a lot uh, for women, but my gosh, aren't we, aren't we powerful? Without women, we all wouldn't be here. You know, it's like we are the real sovereign power. Sovereignty is a key word right now. Mm -hmm. I'll throw up my uh, Dragon Master Creatrix book too. Check that out. Um, it's, it's taking occupation of your throne. And you can, I visualize the throne as like really coming into sitting in my heart center, which the Hindus, the yoga culture and the Chinese, you know, consider that's where our spirit resides. So it's really being present for yourself. It's remarkable. And I got to just tag on what you said. I didn't have any sisters, but I've noticed some of my masterminders and long-term clients it takes a little while to notice it, which is why I'm saying it the way I am. They have, if they have sisters, there's like this more of a tendency to be bitchy and competitive and uh, a little bit of the mean girl thing, which I, I got to avoid by having all brothers. I did too. Cause you, that's what I'm saying. You came home and your ecosystem there was like the same. It was not any of that. That's, I mean, you know, that I, right. And I, and I found in high school and stuff, I never even got into that because that wasn't part of what I was experiencing. And I have found that, you know, a lot of my good, you know, again, people out there that have sisters, this is not, but it is something to consider. <laughs> yeah, you said. No, it's something to consider. Like, is that just a habit? That's what you knew. And that was kind of always thriving around you. It's like turning over the soil. You you can change those things. You just have to first notice them. Yeah, and honestly, uh, when I hear people say, and I know what you're saying, so please don't feel like this is... I just want to expand on what you said because the stuff that's stuck back there, we can't hear. You can't hear it. So if you're... Just let's go this way. If you're saying to your best friends or your spouse, I want A, and you notice your choices and behavior and time is spent going for not A, that's how you can identify, oh, whoa, I might need to get some of the stuff that uh, is in the back of my... I call it back of the house consciousness. Mm, I love that. You know, it's interesting. I'm hearing a plane and it's bringing... And all this discussion is bringing up this story, which had me start what I call is a fire class because I'm really into the core and the core chakra, of course, the fire. And I was on a plane from... Jersey to Florida, where you are. And for two and a half hours, this was 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, for two and a half hours, there was incredible turbulence, so much that nobody, oh. yeah, you know who that is. Flight attendant didn't get up. The whole time it's like oh. this. And in front of me, there was a mom and a child, and the child was probably about three. And the entire flight, this child was crying and she, just going, ba bumps, ba bumps, like crying. And, you know, the rest of us were like this. And we land and the mom turned around and just said to me, I'm so sorry for my kid. <laughs> and the first yeah. words out of my mouth before I even thought about it was, we all felt that way. And then when I'm walking off the plane and I'm thinking to myself, isn't that interesting? That kid just screamed, is going to go take a nap and be fine. 
where does that energy go for us? Like we were like this for two, like in fear. And we have been conditioned as adults because it wouldn't serve us to all be screaming on, you know, 200 people, right? But we have put that in us and we've stuffed it down because we've been conditioned. That's how you do as adults. You handle stuff and you don't freak out. And so I started this fire class with this idea of like, we have stuff so much that has been stuffed down because of conditioning, because of situations. And, you know, maybe I would have gotten off the plane and, you know, no, me, I, I got it out. But a lot of people don't. And so I developed this that is really, it kind of combines some of the Kundalini Kriyas, which I feel mixed about, but I, you know, I like the idea of this repetitive thing that's just going, I'm going to whirl right in here and I'm just going to break up some of that clogged energy stuff. But it really, people take it and they feel different, just like they do in a yoga class, but it's very, very specific to like getting deeper, getting into some of the crud that's really stuck down there. That's Sahara, right? I mean, and that's also womb work. And so there's, also the way to connect in with feminine raw power. So, I mean, you went right at it. I used to teach Pilates. And so and so I know right at the core, I went there too. Yeah, that Hara is a power center. It is. It is. It, it, and it's very effective. And that's why, because it is in the center and it is such a, it is the place where I always say, and I, I, and I love your thoughts of it, where we really transition from being con, like having our vision and our ambition, all good words, you, you know, like ambition is a good word. I want pe- people to yeah, right? It's like to end the and the will. And then that's the transition to the heart, the compassion where we start to actually think outside of ourselves. And so when you really get that fire there lit, I, I just think the heart responds in a different way. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so love this chat. Thank you for making it so rich. Thank you. My honor. The third chakra and pleasure. The third chakra, solar plexus, right? Right beneath the fourth chakra. Some of what's understood is that when I see a client with a really blocked, let's say, third chakra, I'll go to the one beneath it and the one above it to help get that really blocked one unblocked. So more life forces flowing above and below and into it. The third chakra is right below the heart chakra. Self Confidence is in both of those chakras in the form of self-care and self-nurturance. So i.e. self-love in that regard is the heart. Receiving and giving is also the heart. And the solar plexus is self-confidence, self-esteem, self-worth. And the literal machinery with which we reach out and assess the energetic environment we are in. So what you're talking about is what I see as the balance between the external and the internal, right? So that part of that imbalance is I'm here to only nurture, or that's my primary gig as a woman. And I'm here to... So what I've seen happen before, for example, is if somebody is born into a parental unit and one of the parents isn't excited about parenting or one of the parents is absent, or there was trauma while the child was in the womb developing. That all affects the root chakra. Root chakra is belief, my, I have the right to be here. So I've seen people who have some kind of issue that causes the root chakra to be blocked, that then as if they need to make up for not having the right to be here, they then will do extra time making an environment positive by taking and cleaning the negative energy, all of which is done unconsciously but yet they end up with a belly that's either bigger in order to feel, have more distance physically to buffer against all the energy. They've at some point unconsciously said, I'm going to go clean that. Or they're not having the buffer there. And they're just, I've seen like third chakras look like distorted. The lotus flowers are all closed in and it's just all distorted. And the person has no sense of self-confidence and self-worth because they're being run by all the energy outside of them. And they they lose that connection to themselves. So it's really interesting what you said because the belly, the womb, the third chakra, the power center at the top of the digestive tract, the top of this belly area is where we're really getting the message of the balance, the lesson of the balance between others and self. And then it's carried up to the heart chakra in a more elegant way. Mm, I love that. 
Well, I could just talk to you forever. I um I want everybody to read your books. And what else do you have that you offer I, besides reading the books? Can you talk a little bit about your offerings? Yeah, I'd love to offer the Magic Manifestation and Money Flow program. Thanks for asking, Lara. It's mm. a signature program. I don't normally talk about my programs. And maybe that's to my bad. I just get... I love what I do, right? So right. I love this to talk about. And so Magic Manifestation and Money Flow is... I mean, one of the first things you get as a part of the program is my Chakra Attunement audio series, which is a product on my website alone. But then they use it in a prescribed way towards opening and clearing out blocks towards manifesting and being more increasingly in alignment with the flow that happens as the chakra is increasingly open, as I'm clearing up blocks on live calls and with free gifts in the of more clearings and activations to help speak up for yourself, speak up for your desires, go for what you want, clear the fear, all the parts of what's responsible to get someone from, I'm living this kind of a life, I want that kind of a life, and I'm not going for it. Or I sense there's something more, I'm successful, I go for it. And maybe coming out of that, I go for it and learning how to balance more the action with inner work, the nurturing and the softening. So I just love, I can get to every aspect of a person's system, no matter what the issue is, through magic manifestation and money flow. And by the end of the three months, they're just, every single person who, except one, she was really, really resistant and stubborn and eventually did admit she'd had a breakthrough. (laughs) (laughs) But out of hundreds of people that have gone through it, everybody ends up lighter and, and really starting to sense what else is possible. So that's on my programs page. If you look at the work with me tab, uh, vibrationalupgrade.com. Oh, I love that. Well, you are a magical force of good in the world. And I'm so glad that I think it's, I think it's imperative to have people who grew up in the United States and have studied with su- you know, such longevity and depth and bring this and apply it to what you know, which is having lived here and, and the issues that are here and the and the commonalities you know we don't need a statistical chart to tell us what we see all over the place and that that imbalance that people are existing in is can can be rectified and that's the that's the empowerment that you know whatever other system was trying to take from us we have it we have it we just have to you know tap into it so Please. I said almost the exact same word for word in my last book about statistical analysis. Why do you need it when you can just observe it? Yeah, yes, right exactly. I know, I know. So, well, thank you, Dr. Allison. Thank it was a, such a pleasure. So we could just talk thank for hours, you. hours about this. But go check out Dr. Allison and get your energy vibing high. And as always, I am pulling for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.